So good to see each and every one of you here this morning. Let's just take a further moment to look to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we look into your word this morning, we can be confident of this one thing. You said your word will not return void, empty, but will accomplish what it is purposed to do. And so we pray, Lord, that as we gather together under the sound of your word, that your Holy Spirit might teach us. Our needs differ as our faces differ. And so we pray, Lord, that there may be some that some teaching from you, some help, some encouragement, but above all that we may see the Lord Jesus and that as a result of our time together we may go forth a stronger and more praising people for your name's sake. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As you remember, we are doing the series. This is number 10 in the series. And uh, as you are aware, the series is going through a number of topics. And... um, My topic was eternity. So just to let you know, the message will not be that long, but uh, the topic is a rather lengthy topic. And one of the things that we discover very quickly about mankind, and this applies for every person in the globe, is that each one uh, finds themselves needing more. You know, the rich person is never satisfied with their riches. The, the popular person, the fame, is, is just doesn't satisfy. There's something missing. Uh, you build a bigger home and it still just isn't quite right. And uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis that made a comment. And he said, if we find ourselves with a desire that this world cannot satisfy, the most probable explanation, of course, is that we were made for another world. And it is so true. You know, there are some things that, that people have sought to define the world. There are two great, uh, great uh, theories, if you can call it. One, one, I believe, is true. The other is a theory. Um, and, of course, the problem is that when you talk about that great doctrine of Darwin, uh, he has a problem with some of the things that go on in our society. For example, funerals. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem because funerals don't really fit into the normal scheme of things. Animals, animals generally do not have funerals. Um, I, I've yet to see a bunch of cats surround another cat and, uh, and uh, then proceed to scoop out some earth and bury it. Um, and, that, and that is true of so many animals. I, obviously, there's probably a few aberrations, and I'm sure somebody could say, well, I know of one animal that, you know, sticks around and, and gathers around their, their dead. Well, fact is, we have cemeteries. I haven't yet found an animal cemetery that the animals made. You know, we're, we're very sophisticated. If we're animals, which I do not believe we are, we are made in God's image. And uh, the fact that we actually have funerals means that each one of us is aware that there's something more. There's something beyond death. There's something that is in eternity. Now, that word eternity, boy, that's a big word. And you know, if you're, if you're a fond of the King James, you'll only find it one time in the King James Bible. For a Bible that talks about so much about heaven, it only uses the word eternity once. In the New King James, it's only three times, actually. And uh, we would say that eternity can be summarized as... Uh, as that, by that word, 
um, by everlasting or by the word forever. And as you see by the slides, the number of times that everlasting is found is pretty significant, 91 times. And the word forever is found 390 times. So while the word eternity isn't found that often, it is a teaching that is there throughout the entire scriptures. The title of our talk today comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. We sang, actually, uh, he has made everything beautiful in its time. We sang that hymn. It's a wonderful hymn to be able to sing that hymn. That God has a timetable for everything. The fact that you're here today is no accident. Well, maybe you think it is, but but no, it's not an accident. Everything has a time. I'm, I'm reminded of that because the Lord Jesus said when he was asked about to describe his heavenly father, he said, he knows the number of hairs on your head and he knows them exactly at every moment. Some of us have less and some of us more and some of us don't have. But the point is, he knows. And for one who knows that intimate detail about you, also knows every aspect of your life. We forget that, don't we? We go through our days totally oblivious to the Lord's presence sometimes. And that's a shame to us who call the name of Jesus our Lord and Savior. May 2016 be a year when we walk every day with the Lord. Isaiah 57, 15. I love this verse because it speaks of the one who inhabits eternity. And then he goes on to say, and I dwell in the holy place and with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. What a blessed thought. That the God who dwells in eternity can dwell in your heart. What a wonderful God we serve. And of course, in Acts 15, 18, the other verse that speaks of eternity, a lovely verse, known to God from eternity are all his works. Now this is a cool verse because Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 not only tells us that we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. He goes on to say, and we are his workmanship. Now, most translations use the word workmanship. It really means we are his work. God is actually interested in you and me as individuals. And he has known them from, he has known you from eternity. Yeah, you're no accident today. You are loved by the loving God of eternity. Well, let's go very briefly. We're not going to spend a lot of time because it's a big topic, but I want to breeze through. Everlasting, 91 times, and let's just maybe pick and choose a few of those verses. Deuteronomy 33:27. I love this verse. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. You know, I remember talking to a, to a gentleman who did believe that you could lose his, your salvation. And if it was my salvation, I could lose it because I could get lost in a paper bag. But if it's his salvation, if he is the one that saved you, you don't have to worry. God is your keeper. He can hold on to you tight and fast. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And so as we go into 2016, isn't it a comfort to know that God goes with you? Even when we don't realize it, he is there with us. Psalms 100 also, amazing verse. The Lord is good. And we say this all the time. But do we mean it? When something bad is happening, can we say the Lord is good? 
You know, there's been many times I've cried and I've said, boy, this does not seem good, Lord. This is, this is hard. This is tough. Brother Wade was sharing of some of the tough times that he's gone through. The fact that he's here today, that is good. He isn't always out on this day, and he'll explain to you a little more if you want to know why. But the fact is, he can say God is good. And God uses some very bad stuff in our lives to bring his goodness. And he allows those things to happen. Psalm 145 is another great verse because it says, Your kingdom, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Wow. You know, <laughs> politicians come and go. You know, Stephen Harper, has anyone seen him in the media lately? I saw one little article. Some folks had met him at a, at a place. I guess they just kind of walking down the, down the, down the town and, and I happened to bump into him. I said, Stephen? You know, and uh, you know the politicians come and go, but God's kingdom endures how long? Forever. I don't know what your life was like in 2015. I don't even know what my wife's life was like because I don't see in the heart. But I do know what my life was like, and to say it was surprisingly good. I'm almost scared of what 2016 is going to bring because, you know. I know God is good, but there's always a bunch of stuff. Life happens, as we say. And some nasty stuff is usually floating around the corner. You know, if life is good this moment, maybe it's not going to be so good the next moment. But God is always good. And his kingdom endures forever. Another great verse found in Isaiah 9. A lovely verse in Isaiah 9 and 6 and 7. Uh, For unto us a child is born. We've been singing it this past little week. In fact, uh, I should say thank you to those of you who made our Christmas that much more special. Those, you know who you are, who have given of your time and your talents and your efforts and your gifts. And thank you again for making Christmas special for us. But this one who came into this world, he was coming in as a baby. You know, that's one reason why we should always welcome children into our meetings. Because he came as a child first. And we should have a healthy desire to see the work of God grow through the introduction of new children. And it says the everlasting father is the verse that speaks of the everlasting. Interesting enough, when he said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. You want to get to know God Read the Gospels. Make it your vow, your commitment to read through the Gospels every year. Get into the the Bible portion that speaks so eloquently of Jesus and of God the Father. The word forever is found 390 times. Boy, I tell you, that, that, that's, uh, that's an amazing word in itself, but I, I, I had so many other... Uh, times that I could have brought it to your attention, so I'll just read the one passage in John six fifty one through 58. And he says, I am living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I shall raise him up the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And then he goes on to say, As the living Father has sent me, I live because of my Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. And this is the bread which came down from him, but not as your fathers ate 
And he who eats this bread will live forever. Forever. How long is forever? We've been enjoying uh, Francis Chan's book, Multiply. If you haven't got a copy of that or are not reading it, you ought to be. And his basic theme is simply this. Jesus said as his last command, go out into all the world and make disciples of every person. You know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He tells the disciples to go out and make more disciples. And the question is, how are we doing? Did you see one more disciple added to the kingdom this past year? Because the real test of our spiritual growth, one of the tests anyways, is not just how holy we are becoming, but are we reproducing the likeness of Christ in others? And it's not about someone saying that they've been a Christian or someone's praying the sinner's prayer, although that might be the true entry point, but it's are they really a disciple? Are they a true follower? Now, there are five accounts that I'd like us to briefly look at, and they're going to be so fast, so I hope you just, it'll be like a lily pad, like a jumping on lily pad across the pond, because there are so many lovely accounts in the, in the Bible. But let's look at the account of Enoch, the account, Enoch, the account of Enoch. <laughs> It's coming. Enoch is coming. <laughs> and the account of Elijah. Uh-huh. Good. And the rich man. And Lazarus and then Jesus. And finally the account of Paul. Ah, there we are. Thank you. Uh, let's go back to the, with the next slide and it specifically talks about Enoch. Genesis chapter 5. Enoch an interesting character in the line of the, of the godly line, the line of Seth. Methuselah comes from him. He is the father of Methuselah. And it says he walked with God 300 years. Wow, what a commendation to say that he walked with God 300 years. But what you have to realize is that for 65 years he didn't walk with God. Did you catch that? didn't say he walked with God for 300 years. He was not born walking with God. There had to be a point in Enoch's life where he was turned around and he walked with God. And then it says, and his days were 365 years. Wow. You know, when we get to the 90s and beyond, we go, man, this is, this is really ch- challenging. You know? And uh, this gentleman went 365 years. And it says, and he was not, for God took him. We don't know exactly what that means, except that he suddenly disappeared. They obviously identified that it was God that took him, not a thief, not a murderer, not a kidnapping, that this was God who, who literally took him. It doesn't say he died. He's the one person, well, there is one other in the Old Testament, that never died. And that is Enoch. Quite an interesting account. Because it reminds us that one day, possibly in our generation, some of us will have that same experience. And it's called the great calling up. When the Lord himself will descend and with a great shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and we which are alive will be caught up together with them in the air and we shall be forever with the Lord. 
And so Enoch is a, like a prefigure of the, the rapture. And it's a wonderful thought to, to think that maybe in our generation, maybe in today, just kind of a cool thought because really, if we were to think that way and live that way, there's some things we wouldn't be doing. Because you know how it is. You don't want to be caught with your hand in the cookie jar when mom comes into the kitchen. And when God comes into the world and calls you home, you don't want to be doing something that you shouldn't be doing. So it's a great incentive for holiness. Enoch, quite an interesting individual. And then, of course, the next gentleman was Elijah, the second individual who never saw death. Death was passed on all men, for as in Adam, all die. And of course it came to pass, the Lord was about to raise up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. Some of us had a pretty good whirlwind on Thursday, Christmas Eve. And uh, all across the province there were people responding to the whirlwinds. And some were responding in prayer, and others were responding by, by you know, battling down the hatches, and still others were responding in fear. Um, how you respond makes all the difference. But Elijah had no fear of this whirlwind because he knew he was going home. And he talks to Elijah and he says, look, I, you don't want to see me when I go. And he says, yeah, I do. I want to be with you. And they went on together. And that's an interesting, interesting thought that Elisha wanted to be right there at the moment when Elijah was translated into heaven. And he said, if I'm there, I'll receive a double portion of your spirit. Double portion of your power. That's really what he was saying. He wanted to do twice as much as his, 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 his uh, protege, his, his helper, his, his, his teacher, his master. And you younger ones in the faith, do you want to do twice as much as Chester Donaldson? You better start working soon. Now there's a guy, God bless him, he is still serving the Lord where he is. But Harmony House, Northland Bible Camp, Bible Fellowship Assembly, all the direct result and many other things, the direct result, in fact, in some small ways, my standing here is the result of Chester's influence in our lives. And perhaps you're too. You might be that way as well. And so we ought to want to exceed those who we consider our teachers. But do we really? It may take a little bit of effort and time and sacrifice. Well, the third account was the account of the, the rich man and Lazarus found in Luke 16. And Luke 16, and while it's not a very happy account, a certain rich man who was clothed with linen and fared sumptuously. And why are we telling these stories, by the way? Because it talks about the afterlife and how you get there and what it's like afterwards. Now, some people call this a parable. I have yet to conclude that it is really a parable because a parable is a story that's not really true. Whereas this starts out, there was a certain rich man. And, and so the account actually doesn't use the word parable. And I like to think that it's Jesus talking to about an actual person. And uh, Lazarus was quite, quite a difficult situation, full of sores, desiring to be fed from crumbs. And the beggar died and was carried into Abraham's bosom. Now, he didn't get carried to Abraham's bosom because he was poor. Let's be clear. Poverty had nothing to do with his stand in paradise. It had to do with his trust 
in the living God. That's the only way a person reaches heaven. And so it was the rich man, when he died, was lifted up. He was in torments in Hades, or in some translations say hell, and he saw Abraham afar off. So what are the two places where the soul and spirit dwell, as it were? One is paradise, and one is hell. And, and in my understanding of Scripture, that is the eternal realm. And one day later, the body is, are connected back up with the spirit and soul. Father Abraham, he says, have mercy and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger and cool my tongue. How a person in spirit body has a tongue, I do not understand. But he was experiencing torment. And if we ever were to get the grasp of what this is saying... I think we'd all have a greater passion to reach the lost. And the next slide shows Abraham talking and comforting Lazarus. And, and Lazarus had his evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And he said, Father, Father, would you send him to my father's house, five brothers, that he may testify to them? The man suddenly became concerned about his family. He knew he couldn't do anything himself, for himself. And now he's concerned for his family. They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, no, if someone were to rise from the dead, they would repent. And he said to them, they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe if someone rises from the dead. Someone has arisen from the dead. The Lord Jesus has arisen from the dead. The greatest moment in all of human history has happened. And you and I are testimony to that. But it came to us from reading the Scripture. It didn't come from somebody walking into your house after a funeral and saying, hey, by the way, I was in that coffin a few days ago. Because people will have a way of explaining it. Every time there's somebody that has an experience of life after death, someone else is there to discount it. Isn't that true? But that word of God cannot be discounted. The Lord Jesus himself rose from the dead, and we have the account in the road to, to Emmaus, Luke 24. And it says that they were walking along the road, discussing and conversing with one another on the road, traveling together, speaking of the things that had happened. And Jesus himself went with them. You know, when we gather together as friends, I know we can talk about the maple laughs or leaves. I know we can talk about the blue jays. And I know we can talk about the latest in the football series and perhaps the latest politics and the latest things that are going on in our lives. But... It's so nice when we talk about Jesus. We need to be more comfortable about talking about our relationship with the Lord Jesus when we gather together with one another. Oh yeah, we do it in our Bible studies. That's when we do it. <laughs> What's wrong with doing it outside of our Bible studies? You know, I was reading uh, about a gentleman who was, he was trying to portray a, a, a accurate Christianity. He wanted to live his life transparent. And he was seeking to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And this gentleman come along and he got to talking right there. And I think it was Walmart. They got talking about a problem. And the guy said, yeah, I'm really struggling right now. I wish you'd pray for me. 
fellow thought, right now? I'm in Walmart. And then he said, I can pray for you later, brother. And then he thought, no, wait a minute. He asked for prayer right now. So he said, okay, let's take a little moment. So they had the little holy huddled in the corner behind the, I don't know what Lyle it was, <laughs> but they got together and had a little word of prayer. And as the guy said, thanks, I really appreciate that. But somebody else had walked up, another couple had walked up. And they kind of had listened in on the prayer time. And they said to him, um, could you pray for us too? We're having marriage problems. So he said, oh, okay, let's go over here. And they had another little time of prayer. And he no sooner, I kind of opened his eyes because he said, I, I'm learning now that I've got to watch him pray too when I'm doing this thing. And uh, he opened his eyes and looked around. And there's another woman has walked up and she's listening in on the prayer as well. So the couple that was having marriage problems went away and this other woman comes up and he says, oh, you're next, take a number. And the, uh, they had a little time of prayer with her as well. You see, we need to be more comfortable with praying with one another, with sharing what God is doing in each one of our lives. Well, let's, let's move on because we've got a few more things to talk about. Uh, Jesus used three words for heaven. First of all, he used the word paradise, and I love that because he used it in the occasion of stalking to the thief on the cross. When the thief that was the one who was repentant turned to the Lord Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's a wonderful thought because the God who ever is present is offering paradise right now. Someone here and amongst us maybe has never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I would encourage you to come before the Lord and say, I want this right now. I want you right now. And the other comfort is this, that when somebody is leaving this world and moving off, you don't have to say, oh, I'm going to see that person and, and they're going to have to sit back and sleep for how many years until the Lord calls us home. They are with the Lord. What does the Word of God say it says absent, and that's one of the other words we use, absent from the body and present with the Lord. And, of course, he also uses that phrase, my father's house. Wonderful phrase, my father's house. Intimate. You know, you really get to know what a person's like when you visit their house. Have you ever noticed, you know, you visit unexpectedly. <laughs> and they say, oh, my house is a shamble right now. If I'd known you were coming, I would have cleaned up, you know? And uh, we're all like that. But there is one who is never like that, and that's the Lord himself. His house is always ready and welcoming and warm. You walk into that house, and I don't know what kind of smells I'm going to smell in paradise, but I think it's going to be turkey and gravy with cranberries and potatoes. I think there's just got to be something heavenly about that. I don't know for sure. I'm not going to stand here and say that that's exact. But I do know this. It's a prepared house. And he's, if the God who took six days to make the entire universe has been building for you and for me a place for these past 2,000 years. What glorious place that's going to be. And don't think that it's going to be a place where we're going to be sitting up strumming either on ten strings, twelve strings, six strings, or harps. Yes, there will be praise, and there will be glorious praise like you've never heard before. But there's going to be so much more. Paul would say, I was caught up into heaven, and I was heard words. I, heard, I saw things 
I could not explain it to you. It was so full and intense. You read about it, 2 Corinthians 12. And when you read that passage, you go, this guy, wow, he saw something he can't even put into words. John in Revelation tries to put it into words. He does an okay job, I guess, but it's still pretty confusing. But the point is this. The Lord is there. And you are there with him. Wonderful thought. And so, as we move into this, he talks a little bit about what kind of a body you're going to have. 1 Corinthians 15. And while it wasn't addressed in the Bible study, I thought it was important that we looked at the apple seed. Because the apple seed, in and of itself, is nothing like the apple. And again, it's nothing like the tree. Why is that the case? Because they are different and in different times of their life. And so the body that you now possess will be similar but different from the body that God is going to give you in the resurrection. Spirit and soul, you know, I have friends who say, well, we're not going to recognize each other. I don't get that. I mean, the rich man recognized Lazarus and Abraham in the story we talked about earlier. I do believe we're going to recognize one another, but we're going to recognize one another in a pure way. There'll be nothing unholy about that relationship. And so that beautiful tree that comes from the apple seed is a wonderful thing, and the body that God is going to give you is going to be amazing. Jesus walks through walls. Isn't that going to be wonderful to be able to walk through walls? I just keep getting bruised. It, it, and he seems to be unlimited by time. There's, there's just some amazing things that happened after the resurrection, post-resurrection scene. And it gives us a bit of a glimpse of what life is going to be like in the great beyond. And remember, eternity is a long time. This life is just brief, like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf. And so the hymn writer says, and be on time. Remember how short my time is. That's what the psalmist said. Remember how short my time is and how you've created this for me. And he goes on to say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? There's a great deal of prophetic teaching going on today. And I encourage you to study prophecy. But remember, the spirit of prophecy is Jesus. If you do not become closer to the Lord Jesus Christ because of your study of prophecy, if all you've got is a chronological big map that you can plot and say, we're right here right now, nothing wrong with that. But if you are not learning of Jesus, then you've missed the whole point of prophecy in my understanding of Scripture. The disciples did not understand because they said, would you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, it's not for you to know the times nor the seasons. What? It's not for you to know? Why? Because he wants us to know him first and foremost. You know, if I know the captain of the, the cruiser, the cruise mass of these, some of these ships that are out there on the, on the ocean giving cruises, you know, 3,000 people and 14 decks or whatever, you know, they're just... But, I don't have to know where it's going. I don't have to know the latitude or the longitude. I don't even have to know whether they've got uh, uh, you know, shrimp on the menu for breakfast or not. All I need to know is that there's competent and accurate staff, people who care about me and my needs, 
And we know the captain of our ship is love. And he is good. And when he is guiding us through troubled waters, we can trust him. We don't have to know the direction or the times and the seasons. And so what we need to do is we need to remember all about timing belts. You know, some of us are wearing a belt right now. And if we weren't, our pants would be around our knees. Some of us are wearing other things. But the timing belt, you don't even think about when you jump into your car. At least most of us don't. The timing belt makes sure the engine operates perfectly. That every valve is just synced just so, so that it will operate perfectly. And when you get in, you just turn out that key and, or push that button and amazing things happen. The engine purrs to life. Well, Psalm 31 says, my times are in your hand. He's got it all intricately woven together. Much more sophisticated than any timing belt in any engine. And so at the last moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, and the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. One day, Revelation 19 will happen. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness and in he judges and makes war and his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on the white horses. Someday that will happen. Just as sure as the Lord Jesus entered that little manger over 2,000 years ago and came into this world and lived and died and rose again, so too he will return. Now the big question is, where are you in light of that? Revelation 3.20 is one of my favorite verses. And it reminds us that the Lord is still knocking. As this day unfolds, He is knocking at our door. Some of us have opened the door. Most of us may have opened the door. I hope we're supping with him. I hope we're enjoying his company. I hope we're letting him drive the vessel, pilot the vessel. He says, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Have you done that? This is the challenge for us in 2016. Eternity is stretching before us. This is the first day of the rest of your life. And you can say that at every moment of your life. But how do we live in light of that? I trust and pray that each one of us, as we go into this new year, will learn to look forward to eternity, to live in the light of eternity, but in the meantime, to live in the light of the God of love, who is good. Let's just close in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time together. We thank you for this, your encouragement. We pray that you will bless us as we go forth this day to serve you. And we give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to call the uh, praise team up and ask them to finish off with their last...